0: That's fun, isn't it? Awesome. Hey, if you would this morning, we're going to start a new series. So why don't you turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 2. We're going to look at the first 13 verses. There it is. We'll start with verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked. Aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? How is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites. Residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia. Egypt and parts of Libya near Cyrene. Visitors from Rome. Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, What does this mean? And some, however, made fun of them and said, they have had too much wine. Hey, why don't we pray real quick? Father, help us. Would you open up the eyes of our heart and would you open up the eyes of our understanding that we might be illuminated? Amen. Amen. Yeah, um, we're going to start a new series here. It's going to last six weeks. Um, For the next six weeks, we're going to be talking about Uh, Vineyard Values and Vineyard DNA. Um, This week, staff and I, we were together in Cincinnati and just planning out the whole year. We do this sort of staff retreat. We go and eat great food. Uh, We take naps, and we take a few days, and we plan out the entire year, Um, and at least the bones of what we feel like the Lord wants us to do and where to do it, and we were doing that. But while we were doing that, one of the things we felt like the Spirit was impressing upon us is that this is a time for us to re-emphasize our DNA and re-emphasize our vineyard values. We have six of them. If you look in the back, there are six banners, and they represent really the pillars of what the vineyard is about. Now, the reason we feel like that this is a season for us to do this is because the vineyard, on the whole, historically, has been a transitional church. Now, this is what I mean by a transitional church. The vineyard is... um, is stable when it comes to the core of who the vineyard is, and the vineyard is stable with respect to the values which we have. But everything else changes, and especially the people. Uh, One of the ways that that happens is this. The vineyard has historically been a place where uh, young people and college-age types end up hanging out with us, and one of the things that happens is they'll come for three or four years, and then sadly they leave, right? It's it's happy and it's sad. So we, we get people in, and then people are gone. Not only that, but... One of the other major um, influences on the vineyard has just been Amazon in general, and so we'll get Amazon managers, and Amazon managers typically stay Amazon managers at this plant for about three and a half years, and then they move them on. Just about it takes just about the time it takes for us to become really good friends and attached, and then they move on. And so there's always this transition. And in addition to the university and Amazon, um, one of the things that we've noticed here, and it's just sociological, I believe, is that it's the new America. That's what I would call it. And the new America consists of families who are more nomadic. So this idea of I'm going to put roots down, I'm going to live in one place for my entire life, that's really fallen out of fashion, and it's falling out of practical usefulness because of the sort of economy that we have these days, and there's a bit of job scarcity or at least there's a perception i actually don't believe there's job scarcity but there's a perception of job scarcity and so people begin to center and orient their lives around their job and so we hang out for a while and then they're gone and so what has happened here at the vineyard is this we have gone through an incredible season of transition and and flow when it comes to people Uh, in the last year some of our very best friends have left they didn't leave mad they just opportunities came up, and so they're gone. But with those people leaving, new people showed up, like people we don't know. And then in addition to the normal sort of like ebb and flow of the vineyard, like lots of extra people started coming, and so we had to do two services. And now what we've got is we've got this church that we don't know. Yeah, some of you are probably sitting in your seats, and you're wondering, who is this mysterious, handsome funny man of God who brings us <laughs> such pearls of wisdom every single Sunday. Who is this man? A couple of things you need to know about that. Number one, that man is even more handsome and mysterious in real life than you even know. And then number two, I have no idea who you guys are either. In fact, it's become sort of a funny game at staff meeting. We hang out on staff meeting, and usually the first five minutes is us talking around the table about you guys. And it usually goes something like this, me to the staff. Hey, did you guys know any of those people at church on Sunday? (laughs) Them to me. No, did you? I have no, no, I didn't, I have we have no clue who's coming to the vineyard anymore. It's really fun, though. And so because of that, we feel like this is a time where the Holy Spirit is asking us to, reinvestigate our DNA, because some of you don't even know what has made the vineyard what it is. Does that make sense? Amen. Well, and the first thing I want to talk about this morning is I want to talk about the presence of God. It is our first banner on the left, and in my way of thinking, the presence of God is our most important aspect of our DNA. It gives shape. It's foundational for every other thing that you see up there, okay? Not only that, but I would like to say this as well. Um, Acts chapter 2, as I was meditating uh, last evening on what I was going to preach through and what I had to bring, uh, one of the things I noticed is is that every single strand of DNA that's in our essential core values is in Acts chapter 2. Presence of God, worship, community, radical generosity, gospel of the kingdom, equipping the saints. It's all in Acts chapter 2. You could actually understand what it is to be vineyard And to be a part of God's kingdom in the way that we're a part of God's kingdom. Just by letting Acts chapter 2 shape and form your life. But, one of the things that I want to get into this morning is I want to talk about our value for the presence of God. It's the foundational, it gives life, it animates all the others. Here at the Vineyard, when we talk about the presence of God, the first thing you need to realize is this. That we're essentially talking about the fact that God is near. That's really all we're talking about. We'll talk about the presence of the Lord. Or isn't God sweet? Don't you love the presence of the Lord? Wasn't the presence of the Lord strong in worship? And what we really mean by that is, it wasn't God near? Like, couldn't you tell that, like, He's not an idea, that He's beginning to rest on our hearts? That's what we really mean. And the reason that this is important is this. It's important because God is not far away. Everything in life is trying to tell you that God is far away. He is actually not far away. He's very close. He is not locked behind the doors of death. Most of us have grown up believing that God was behind death. You die and then you can meet God. That is absolutely not true. God is near. Uh, We just came through the Christmas season. Jesus' own name, Emmanuel, means what? God is with us. And not in an abstract sense, but he's actually here. Like this morning right now, it's not just us 270 in the room. There's 271. He isn't stuck in another time. He's here and he's close. And the implications of God being near, here and close are this. He's not merely an idea. God is not a theological principle to either agree with or disagree with. He's a living reality. And in fact, most of us in the room would agree with both of those statements. But your agreement or your disagreement with that very statement misses the point entirely. As if God were up for debate. You see, here's the deal. A lot of the church approaches God like an idea or a principle. An idea or a principle. A lot of the church approaches God in the way that we approach information that we're about to be tested on. And so God becomes this multiple choice question. God is A, love, B, fickle, C, all powerful, D, all of the above. And then depending upon... Your interaction or lack of interaction with God, you study to find out who He is so that you can pass a test that will never be given. See, one of the real tragedies in life, especially in the church right now, is that people are amassing great tomes of information preparing for an exam that will never be given. One of the reasons I feel like that we retreat to this position of study and an academic approach to God is because, really simply, God is invisible. And so we begin to treat God the way that we treat other things that we believe to be true, which are invisible. We stick them into these categories and we try to put a microscope on him in the same way that we've put microscopes on say the atom I can't see it with the naked eye I believe in it and so I begin to approach it in such a way I study it I want to prove to you that it's right like gravity is real it's actually holding everyone on the floor and I'm glad for that it's invisible and so we begin to study gravity and physics and then I believe that one of the things that we've done as a result of our enlightenment mindset is we've actually taken these approaches these scientific approaches to gravity and to the atom and to the human body and then we've magnified it onto God because he is invisible, but we somehow believe on the inside that he's true and you believe that he's true on the inside because you were made in his image and you were made to respond to his presence. And when what we end up with is we end up with an approach to God that is academic, A, B, C, D, all of the above, rather than relational. Does this make sense? All right. Again, that misses the point. The point is this, God is here, he is present, he is near, and he is close, and he's not just here, near, present, and close to the super spiritual people, he's actually here, near, present, and close to spiritual midgets. Which is good news. God is here, near, close, and present to people who love him, and God is here, near, present, and close to people who do not love him. God is here near, present and close to people who pay their taxes. God is here near, present and close to people who do not pay their taxes. Who do not want to pay their taxes. Who have spent a good portion of their life evading taxes. God is here near, present and close to that person. God is here near, present and close to people who want to be around him. God is here near, present and close to people who do not want to be around him. God is even here near, present and close to people who write comments in the New York Times about how much they hate God. As soon as they push enter, he's right next to them. He's near people who have it together. He's here, he's here and near people who have never missed a Sunday of church. He's also here near, close, and present to people who have never been to church, don't want to go to church, hate the church, think it's stupid even tell other people you shouldn't go to church it's stupid God is very close to them hey brother don't go to church it's stupid right next to him without even knowing it God is standing there and because he's here there's two main implications because he's here and because he's incredibly near to everyone everywhere because he's incredibly near the first implication is this I can know him It's actually possible. How many of you guys went to camp as a kid? Anybody go to summer camp? You guys remember the emotions that surrounded summer camp on the Sunday afternoon before you left for summer camp? You didn't want to go, right? And one of the reasons you didn't want to go was you were sure and you were certain that everybody at summer camp was going to hate you, judge you, look down on you, and not want to be with you, right? Like, I don't want to be with those people. They're going to hate me. They're going to judge me. I don't want to go with those people. And that's how you feel on Sunday afternoon. It might even be how you feel on Sunday evening when you're spending your first night at summer camp, but by Wednesday, everybody's your friend, and by Friday, everybody's your best friend. Why? Because they were around, and they were near, and they were all in the same boat you were in. God's the same way. He's here, he's around, and in Jesus Christ has been in the same boat that you and I are in. One of the implications of the presence of God is is that we can actually know him. We can know him. Not only can I know him, but when God comes around, anything's impossible. It's the second implication to the presence of God. When God comes around, when He's around, His nearness, the fact that He's here, what it means is, is that anything is possible. Anybody ever been around somebody who's really, really smart or really handy? Like, really, like, really, like My wife is shaking your head, no. It's true. <laughs> Proves my point. But I have three brother-in-laws, okay? I have three brother-in-laws. One of my brother-in-laws can build anything. My other brother-in-law can cook anything. And then my third brother-in-law can take any human emotion and turn it into art. Of all the brother-in-laws, I'm the least useful. By far. But what's crazy is this. Is when my brother-in-laws come over, if one of my brother-in-laws come over to my house, what it means is if there are there are actually... Things that are possible when one of them shows up at my house that was not possible the moment before they came. If Josh comes over, gumbo is possible. In a way that it was not possible the moment before he came. And here's the other part too. If all of my brother-in-laws come over, I feel like we can do anything. If the four of us were together, I feel like we could do anything. I don't feel like there's any door that's closed to us. Now, let me ask you another question. Is that because Josh, Bubba, and Eric know how to break the rules in the ways that no one else knows how to break the rules? No, it's not because they know how to break the rules. It's actually because they know the game and they know the rules and they have skills that few other people have and they're able to manage life better than anyone else it's not that they're going in and rearranging the rules to benefit them it's that who they are is so excellent that they're able to navigate their fields with such with such ease that things are possible does that make sense it's actually the same thing when God comes around the rules don't change he just knows the game better than anyone else See, with God, He's near, and because of that, we can know Him. And when He's around, every single possibility changes. And the possibilities change not because the rules change mid-game, but because we've actually learned everything wrong. For instance, sickness, pain, and death is not the final authority. You've been taught your whole life that sickness, pain, and death is the final authority. Sickness, pain, and death is not the final authority. Uh, just this week, in the last in the last couple of weeks, I know people here at the Vineyard who have faced surgery and have not had to have surgery because God intervened. Like we believe in doctors here, okay? If you're sick, go to the doctor. If you're sick enough to go to the doctor, get prayer, though, because God knows the rules better than anyone. And we've actually learned a great deal of it wrong. There's another person at the vineyard who was unable to get pregnant and, in fact, to do so would put her at great medical risk. She got completely healed and is pregnant. And the medical intervention is the Holy Spirit. It's it's un, and we could tell I could tell these stories for the for the next hour. There's actually been a great wave of healing that's gone through our church, and if you just ask around, there's all kinds of really great things that have happened in the last few weeks. You see, when God is near, all the possibilities change. When God is near, He knows about the human body in the way that my brother-in-laws know about building houses, smoking barbecue, and painting. Now I want to talk to you about four things from the verses that we read this morning. That was just sort of a little introduction to give us some orientation on where we're going. The first thing that I want to bring out of this morning's passage is this. Number one, God is here by the Spirit in the church. So when we talk about the presence of God, what we're talking about is, we're talking about the nearness of God And when we talk about the nearness of God, what we're really talking about, if I want to get downright precise, is we're talking about the Spirit of God alive and active in the church, all right? Now, this is what happens. So the passage we read, very famous, Acts chapter 2, Holy Spirit comes down, tongues of fire. What you need to realize is that Jesus has ascended into heaven, the background on this is Jesus has ascended into heaven, and the guys have been hanging out in prayer, Uh, The group of 500 that hung out with Jesus for 40 days has shrunk to 120. They're in an upper room and they're praying. And in the midst of their prayer, the Holy Spirit intervenes, comes down, flaming tongues of fire. People begin to speak in languages that they didn't learn. And then Peter gets up and preaches. And so this is important when we talk about the presence of God, because when we talk about the presence of God, we're principally talking about the interactions of, of the Holy Spirit in the church. See, God is here, and He is near, and He is He is here and near by the Spirit. It's the third person of the Trinity. And, and the reason I want to bring this up in this manner is this, because it was the Holy Spirit intervening into human affairs which gave birth to the church. Holy Spirit comes down, tongues of fire, crazy languages, people acting drunk, into the street. Peter stands up, preaches a message, 3000 people get saved. And we have the church. The Holy Spirit gave birth to the church. But what's really important for us this morning is this, is that it's the Holy Spirit that, that sustains the church. Not just gives birth, but sustains the church. And in a profound way, the church is not the church unless we are the people who are gathered by and sent out by the Holy Spirit. What is the church? The church is the people of God who are gathered by the Spirit and sent by the Spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit, He's at work everywhere. The truth is, He resides in you. When a person comes to faith, it's it's by the Spirit. And then when faith gains momentum, somehow, mysteriously, The Spirit comes to reside in people. And so there are Spirit people everywhere. So the Holy Spirit, He's at work everywhere. And not only that, but He's at work in areas that you and I don't even recognize a lot of times. He's just at work. Jesus says in John chapter 5, my Father is always at work. How is is Jesus' Father at work? By the Spirit. He's doing things. But there is a unique way in which the Spirit of God is at work in the gathered people at church. And in fact, one of the ways that you grow to recognize who the Holy Spirit is and, and understand what His dealings are is by being a part of the faith community and getting acquainted with the Spirit. It's, it is powerfully important that every person who's a member of the vineyard become acquainted with the Spirit. Why? If you're not acquainted with Him here, you won't be acquainted with Him out there, and out there is the point. What is the church? It's a, it's a community gathered and sent by the Spirit. It's a community gathered and waiting on the Spirit. That's what the church is. The trouble with the American church is that she doesn't know the Holy Spirit. trouble with the church in America is that it's entirely possible to entertain people out of a desire to wait on the Holy Spirit. So much so that people come to church expecting entertainment rather than an encounter with the Spirit. So when we talk about this. The presence of God we're talking about is nearness and we're talking about the activity of the Holy Spirit in the church. Number two, um, the second thing I want to bring out this morning is that with the presence of God, we get heaven coming to earth. If we can put the scripture back up again, verse two, I want you to look at verse two. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from where? Heaven and filled the whole house. And where's the whole house? On the earth where they were sitting so what is when we talk about the presence of God here at the vineyard one of the things that we're talking about is we're talking about heaven coming to earth heaven coming to earth we have got to get this picture more and more God is shouting this at the church right now that life is mostly about heaven coming to earth we have most of us grown up with this idea that life is about the earth getting to heaven and God is trying to say no, only what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to get heaven to come to earth alright alright this is really good news because there's some implications. What are the implications of heaven coming to earth? The implications of heaven coming to earth are this, that heaven's order comes and heals the brokenness of the earth with the presence of the Spirit. It's, it's what we see all over, over and, over and over again. When the Spirit begins to move, things change. When the Spirit begins to show up, Things change, people change, heart conditions change, people's attitudes, mindsets, life direction, life goals, they begin to become reoriented. In this passage, before the the Holy Spirit came, they they spent time praying. There was 120 of them in the room, and what you need to know about them being in the room is this, every one of them was afraid. One of the main reasons why they were gathered to pray anyway is because they all thought that they were going to be killed like Jesus, and they were right, they just weren't going to be killed yet good news. And before they went into the upper room to pray, Peter, a few days before, denied Jesus three times. Hey, aren't you one of the Galileans? No, I'm not. I don't even know who he is. No, no, no. I've seen you with him. Hell no, I don't know who he is. That's what Peter says. The Bible says he began to cuss. He's like, no, I don't know who he is. And then the Holy Spirit comes. Heaven's order begins to rearrange and reorient everything. And then who is preaching with great boldness to the very people who killed Jesus? Peter. You you need to realize that in Acts chapter 2, when Peter gets up to give his sermon, he's preaching to the very same people who killed Jesus. And his message is crazy, by the way. You should read it this afternoon. Every time I read it, I realize I'm such a weak pastor. Peter stands up and he goes... This is who Jesus is. He's God's anointed. And by the way, you killed him. Heck of a message. Yeah, so the presence of the Spirit is about is about heaven coming to earth and reorienting everything, first in people, then in the world. Does this make sense? So here at the Vindian, we love the presence of God because in his presence, things get put back to right. People are healed, the lost are saved, the lonely are set in homes, the oppressed are set free, and all of that's a work of the Spirit. And by the way, no meaningful thing in life can happen apart from the presence of the Spirit. Take all your dreams, flush them down the toilet, because that's where they belong apart from the presence and the work of the Spirit. Apart from friendship with the Holy Spirit, apart from his presence resting upon you. Apart from being able to see and recognize what the Father is doing by the Spirit, take your dreams, flush them. ain't going to happen. Some good stuff might happen. It'll end up being venom to you in the end, apart from the presence and the work and the Spirit. All of our hopes and dreams for this faith community, flush them. All of our hopes and dreams for Campbellsville, right down the toilet. Apart from us being a community who is first willing to be gathered and to wait upon the Holy Spirit to give word. Nothing good will happen. Nothing good. No change can happen apart from heaven coming to earth, apart from the presence of the Spirit coming and animating lifeless dead things. Number three. This is one of my favorite parts. Number three. um, The Holy Spirit is for everybody. If we can put the Scripture back up, look at verse 3 and 4 and then in verse 8 again. Look at verse 3. It says, They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And then when you look down in verse 8, all the all the people that they were speaking to, there are all these languages, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, it goes on and on. What's the point? One of the reasons we love the presence of the Spirit here at the vineyard is because it's for everyone. No one gets left out. Tongues of fire came and rested upon all of them. Not just the holy guys and not just the apostles, but everyone in the room. Everyone in the room. You know why the Holy Spirit didn't come and fall on the holy guys? Because there were no holy guys. It's for everyone in the room. Here at the Vineyard, we love the presence of the Spirit because God loves us, and with the Spirit, no one gets left out. There is not a short supply, no need to ration. No reason to hold back. No one gets disqualified. There's more than enough. That's really good news, by the way. No one gets left out. No need to ration. No no need to hold back. Here's the truth this morning. Heaven is not holding back over your life. I know you think it is. It's actually not. We've grown up with orphan mindsets that continually cause us to pray for more. And to ask God to do something when He's already doing it and is already doing it and is already doing it and is already here and is already near right beside you right beside you even when you're good especially when you're bad right beside you. It's an orphan prayer. No need to ration. Heaven is here. Not only that one of the great things about the Holy Spirit is not only is it for all of us but it's the only way significant things happen And here's the deal. Because I'm the pastor here at the vineyard, a lot of people put hope in me. I know you do because you sometimes get mad at me and sending me emails. (laughs) Uh, Let's just have truth time for a minute though. Um, The truth is, I'm always going to disappoint you. You know why I'm going to disappoint you? It's not even because I'm mad at you or I want to disappoint you. I get no pleasure in disappointing people. Contrary to popular belief. But the reason that I'll disappoint you is because I'm a limited man. I have limited capacity and no matter what the ministry scenario is or the life scenario is, there's only so much of me to go around and I will disappoint you. Not only that, but Andrew will disappoint you. I know it's hard to believe. Andrew will disappoint you. I'm not an includer. Andrew's totally an includer and Andrew will still, even though his heart is to include everyone, he'll leave some people out. You know why? Because there's only a little bit of Andrew. Not only that, but there's only so many opportunities floating around. But you know who will never leave you out? The Holy Spirit. He will never, ever, ever leave you out. Adam and Andrew will leave you out. Some of you all have been coming here for years and you're like, man, why don't I get to sing on the worship band? Just we're limited capacity. We've only got this one stage, we really don't know how to add on to it anymore. And we've only got this many microphones, and there's just not enough of those microphones and stage to go around. You may never get to, but you know who will never give up on you? The Holy Spirit. And in the church, the Holy Spirit and the love of God will fall on, rest on, empower, and encourage every single person, even though Adam and Andrew will disappoint you. It's for everyone. Along with this idea of it's for everyone. There's something really happening at the vineyard, and it's been a powerful um, encouragement to me. How many of you guys were here last week? Was it wasn't Roger good? Yeah, Roger was great. And as good as Roger was, the most profound thing that happened last week wasn't even in Roger's ministry, at least not for me. Because last week I really began to see an area and a way in which the Spirit is working. Um, here's what we got at the vineyard. At the vineyard, we have, we got some really rich people at the vineyard. There's some people in the room right now. uh, And there's some people in the room in first service who are really rich. And they're the kind of rich that's like, they don't really, they think about money, but they don't think about money the way that maybe you or I do. You know, they certainly don't, they certainly don't worry about like, you know, am I going to be able to make my mortgage? They're thinking about their money like this. They're think, they have so much money, they're thinking, man, I wonder what else I need to buy to make some more money. I, by the way, I love that idea. It's great. It's a totally legal idea, okay? And if you're thinking those thoughts, then it's actually the spirit touching your brain. That's what they think. They go to the grocery, and they never worry. They never worry about, like, do I have enough money to buy the groceries that I want, you know? It's like, it's wintertime, and strawberries are... $5 for a little quart. And they're like, eh, let's get 10 <laughs> And let's let the kids eat whatever they want, but then let's mostly feed them to the dog. Why? Because they're just that rich. They don't care. It's all good. And then, here in the vineyard, we also have people who are really poor. We have people who go to the grocery and who are almost never able to get the things they want. They eat strawberries when they can grow them, you know? It's just a bummer. And then at the vineyard, we also have people who love Jesus and, like, grew up loving Jesus. Like, you grew up in church, and your mom took you to Sunday school, and you always had the best Sunday school teachers, and you have, like, really great memories of church camp. And, like, you got saved at church camp. And I actually you got saved, like, three years in a row at church camp. You got, like, it, because it was the one time when people would cheer for you. And it's like like you've you've been baptized so many times <laughs> you think I'm making this up like people have asked me if they can get baptized again I'm like what again it's just like one time bro anyway if they want to get baptized again I don't care God ain't mad go for it we'll clap for you but there are people who are like know Jesus like you're professional Christians like you've got you've got Bibles in every translation like you, you're, you're a pro, you're a Jesus pro. Like, they're going to put you on a team and they're going to give you a jersey someday. It probably won't be a jersey, probably be one of those, like, it'll be a bathrobe with a sash, but it'll be awesome. <laughs> but then there's also people at the vineyard who don't know Jesus at all. Like, some of y'all don't know Jesus. You really don't. And in fact, like three weeks ago, my wife had a couple kids in kids' church and two of these boys, and they weren't the little, little boys, they were kind of like the medium-sized boys. Two of them had never heard of Jesus, and you think I'm joking? She said Jesus, and they, and one of the kids said, "Who's that?" And she's like, "You don't know who Jesus is?" He's like, "I'm I have, Who are you talking about?" And she's like, "Well, let me tell you about Jesus for a minute." So we got people who are like professional. You're going to get the jersey. You're pro Christians, and then we have people who have never don't know anything about Jesus. We got rich people. We got poor people. Uh, we got rock and rollers here. Uh, We've got people with tattoos. On their arms. It's like the devil's ink. Like their arms. They can't even go to sleep at night. Because the devil's venom is in their arm. Some of them even play guitar over here. We have other people who have no tattoos. None. Zero. Uh, we have people here at the Vineyard. Who love sports. Um, and will, will do anything. Fantasy football. like It's like. We will stay up to make sure that we win. And by the way, I won our league this year. Eat it, Andrew Ward. (laughs) And then we have other people here who hate sports. We have people here who are really smart. Like we have people here who are so smart that when I get around them, I start feeling insecure. And I feel like I need to apologize even though I haven't done anything wrong. Then we have other people here who are not very smart. And I am their leader. (laughs) Um, We have people here... From so many different places. I mean, I mean, for goodness sakes, I mean, look around the room. Like, for real, look around the room. I need you to look. This group of people is only here because of Jesus and the work of the Spirit. You could not get this group of people to hang out in any social gathering outside. Any way, no way, not going to happen. Never going to happen. Never, 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 never. We could stand at the back and give everyone in here a, a ticket to the Super Bowl and there'd be a lot of y'all who wouldn't go. Why? Because you hate football. How is it possible? I don't know. But even the Super Bowl, the Super Bowl will not cr- attract this kind of diversity. The Hobbit will not attract this kind of diversity. Like Peter Jackson can't, like he can get the nerds to come out, but he can't get the jocks to come out. Hey, I've read the book. I'm a nerd. I've got the devil's venom in my arm. What's the point? Well, the point is, it's a work of the Spirit. And if you've got eyes to see it, if you've got ears to hear it, one of the things you can do by looking around the room this morning is know this. Apparently, the Spirit is at work here. And if He's at work here, He's at work in our region. Like, if this group of people is together, oh my God, what is what is the Lord doing? What is the Lord doing? I went home last week and I thought, what are you doing? Apparently, it's something. <laughs> yeah. It's not just for a couple people, it's for everyone. Like, we can stick so many different kinds of people under this tent. Number four, lastly. This is really fun, by the way. The fourth thing that I see in the scripture this morning that's so important is intoxication. (laughs) It's terribly important. Um, I don't know if you've noticed this or not. Some of you have, and some of you haven't. But when the Holy Spirit comes around, things can get a little crazy. And by crazy, this is what I mean. I mean like if you've ever been to that party where people drank too, too many beers and the music got turned up a little too loud and then people started dancing. And then not only did people dance, but people who don't dance started dancing. And then people who shouldn't dance started dancing. If you've ever, have you been 18? You've been to that party, you know, that's when the Holy Spirit comes around it could get a little bit like that. Why? Because people are intoxicated. People lose their inhibitions. For a brief moment, everything disappears. Now, don't get me wrong. Getting drunk is never okay. Getting drunk is never okay. Why? Um, because people do stupid stuff when they're drunk. People say things they would never say kiss people they would never kiss. They wreck their cars. They sometimes kill themselves. And horrifically, they sometimes kill other people. But the Bible has an alternative. It's in Ephesians chapter 5. Paul says, don't get drunk on wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. At the end of this passage in verse 13, uh, these guys actually get made fun of because people think that they're hammered. Can I tell you, in on, can I clue you in on something? They are hammered. Um, one of the things you need to know about the Bible and about God is this. Uh, God is actually not against getting drunk. Or getting high. God actually thinks that you should get drunk and high. Tweet it. <laughs> right now. Somebody tweet that. Um, God actually believes that people should get drunk and high on the Holy Spirit. They're what I like to call biblically legitimate alternatives. (laughs) Tweet that. (laughs) In Psalm 16, it says that in your presence, there's fullness of joy. What kind of joy? Oh, the, the, it's not just a little bit of joy. It's like embarrassing dancing, like people who shouldn't dance dancing, that kind of joy party. Whoa, I'm intoxicated. See, when heaven comes around and when the Spirit arrives, we become awake to the nearness of God. And when we become awake to the nearness of God, we become awake to the degree to which He really, really loves me. And when you become awake to the fact that God really, really really loves you even though you're sometimes a jerk even though sometimes you have bitterness in your heart even though sometimes you say bad things about people behind their back even though sometimes you do things that you wish you hadn't done god comes around and he begins to convince you that he really really loves you even though you're weak you're really weak he still really loves you he loves you like a son he comes and stands next to you and when that hits you it intoxicates You start feeling a little lighter. Start saying things you wouldn't normally say. Start loving people you wouldn't normally love. Start to wreck your life. Raise up some dead lives. Have your own dead life raised up. That's what happens when the love of God comes around. It's it's intoxicating. You might lose your inhibitions, do things you'd never otherwise do. See, like when, when, when God comes around and begins to impress upon you the degree to which He loves you by the Spirit, you'll get slammed. It's like drinking ten beers in one hour. Some of you are like, I don't know if I believe that. Let me assure you, it's like drinking ten beers in one hour. How can I assure you of that? I've done it. I don't recommend that. It's not good. It isn't the path to life. But the love of God will slam you like too much to drink. When it really lands on you, see, one of the reasons that people have a hard time feeling the intoxicating power of the Holy Spirit is because they either believe they believe one of two lies. Number one, they believe. I'm so bad God really doesn't love me and so that becomes a barrier to feeling his affection or they believe I'm pretty good and I deserve it. Once you get set free from both of those things, you get hammered. It's It's like too much to drink. It's like getting kissed on New Year's Eve. It's like surprise flowers. Anybody ever fallen in love? You get goofy. You lose. You, you will lose your mind. Like you can't get a 17-year-old boy to do anything until he falls in love and then he'll run through brick walls. <laughs> yeah, it's the intoxicating power of the Holy Spirit. See, here's the brilliance. When you get drunk on wine, you become intoxicated and you give up your control and you become vulnerable To stupidity. When you become intoxicated in the Holy Spirit, you become vulnerable to the love of God. And His control begins to work through you. New possibilities, new vistas, new things open up that just weren't open a minute before. And by the way, this doesn't mean that you're going to look super smart in the process, some of it looks a little familiar. One of the things I've learned about loving the Holy Spirit is this, that if I just don't care what people think, I get a little more. Decorum is, a, is it's an absolute enemy to the Holy Spirit. Wanting to be viewed as awesome and smart all the time keeping it together. I got it together. Well, what happens if God wants to come and tell you that He loves you? It could get rough. Yeah, when you become intoxicated, you give up a certain kind of control when you become vulnerable to God. Amen? That's why we love the Holy Spirit, because we want to become vulnerable to heaven's agenda. The only way to be vulnerable to the heaven's agenda is to be intoxicated with the love of God. Otherwise, you'll stay committed to your agenda. Mm -hmm. Amen. Hey, why don't you stand up? I want to pray for you this morning. Hey, if I can get a couple people come up and help me pray for people, that'd be great. thanks hey let's just wait on the holy spirit for a moment okay this is what it means to be the church to wait on just to wait on him We just wait on you, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would open up our eyes to your nearness. Father, would you illuminate our minds and would you illuminate our hearts to the degree to which you are so close to every single person. Father, I also ask that you would open up our hearts and our minds to the degree to which you are in love with us. Father, people who who do not feel your affection. Father, people who feel like you're far away. God, I ask that you would break through that cloud right now and God, that you would let the the, the light of love shine upon them. Father, people this morning who feel stuck in a rut. Father, people who feel like you're more of a math problem than a regular person. Father, people who feel like your affections are for someone else. God, I ask that you would break through those clouds of deception, that you would begin to shine the light of your presence upon us now. We just welcome you here, Holy Spirit. We welcome you. We welcome you. Yeah, this morning as we close up here, uh, if you just if you if you're in need of a touch from the Holy Spirit, we want you to come on down. It's actually really important to respond. Uh, if God does, if He feels more like a math problem, if it feels more like um, you know true and false, then we want we want you to come down. We want to pray for you um, this morning. If you feel like you're just completely stuck in a rut, if if God's affections seem like they're for other people. If you've never really felt the love of God, we want you to come down. And we want to pray for you. Amen? Amen. Otherwise, give somebody a high five and a hug. Go in peace. Amen.